Hello friends and welcome. My name is Frances Kitson. I am the student minister at Knox United Church in Lanigan, Saskatchewan. And if you have listened to our podcast before, you have heard me preach. This recording is a bit different. This is an interview I did on May 19th, 2021 with Alison Sarar. Alison is a member of Westminster United Church in Humboldt, central Saskatchewan, and she is part of the team working with the congregation to become an LGBTQ affirming church. My conversation with Alison is one of five conversations I had as part of a service I called Intro to Pride. While many of us have friends, family, and neighbors who belong to the LGBTQ community, I heard questions from the congregation about why pride marches, celebrations, and church services are important, or whether they're even necessary in 2021. I thought these were questions worth exploring, and so I went to people who had lived these stories and had answers from their own personal experience. Allison's story is that one of her children came out, while a teenager, to Allison and her husband as non-binary. That started a whole journey for Allison that she touches on in our conversation. So here it is, my conversation with Allison. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so what does what does pride mean to you? Well, pride now has quite a bit different meaning to us than it did probably 10 years ago. Um, always, I've seen it as a celebration of, of uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, I don't think I ever really understood why it was there and what it was about. But um, since, since in the last seven or eight years, uh, one of our children has come out as non-binary, transgender. Mm-hmm. And, and with that came a whole bunch of learning. And as far as pride goes, I, we were very nervous to go to our first pride celebration in Saskatoon with the parade. We went to a parade and we went to the, uh, they have a marketplace where, you know, it's just like a fair. And, um, and so we went to that, we were, we went to the pride service that the Saskatoon church has put on in the morning. And then we watched the parade in the afternoon and it was um, quite wonderful. The celebration of people just yeah just celebrating who they are and um being able to be who they are for that week that pride week or that day um and then we went to a second one and we were much more comfortable going to the second the second year um just because we had been there we realized oh this is about acceptance and inclusion and uh respecting um yeah, people's identity and yeah, including and welcoming. So yeah, so Pride Week, we we never really had any experience really much of that here in our, you know, I'm from a small town and, I, and we have a small city nearby, but to go to Saskatoon. Um, having said that though, I think it's a completely different experience in Saskatoon than it is in like Toronto or New York. Right. Um, yeah, like it's a lot of uh, businesses marching and the different, uh, agencies that support LGBTQ people are marching and there's uh, you, there's music and there's uh, floats. Um, yeah, so it really, and people are dressed up crazy and yeah, it's, it's so great. It isn't, um, yeah, I know some people are kind of don't like the, the sexuality flaunting part of it, but I don't, 
it's that's not what it's all about it's Perfect. about including feeling feeling good in their own skin and yeah so you said you were nervous um before going to your first one what were you nervous about or can you remember we care too much about what other people think oh. and um you know I, you know did we tell people we're going to the pride parade not really you know like we we sort of just did it um yeah and we didn't know what to expect. Um, but I mean, having said that, we did know we were going to a church service, so we knew we were going to feel fairly comfortable there. Um, and the second time we went, with the speaker was actually Mitchell Anderson. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was fabulous. You know, we felt very at home and very welcome. You say that pride is about people celebrating being in their own skin. And so based on based on your family's story and based on um you know what you've learned since about the wider community does that mean that lgbtq folk don't always feel celebrated in their own skin or like how do they how what's your experience of of that well i, I think in some ways the lgbtq community unless they're feeling very confident about being out in the world that sometimes they don't even feel seen like they they don't realize or people don't treat them like for instance in as someone who's transgender you know if you say or non-binary in particular if you say divide things into men and women that there there isn't a place for non-binary person um or if someone is a transgender woman you know are they included in trans in women's spaces um and but i think it's an awareness like i um my i grew up in the united church when uh the decision was made in 1988 to welcome and include um gender and uh, sexually diverse people in the membership and and ministry um I was happy about that. I, you know, I had a, uh, my sister had a friend who was gay. Um, my extended family had a cousin who was gay. Uh, my parents sold their acreage to a, a lesbian couple. Um, and, and I find out now that one of the people I was with in, in junior choir at church, uh, be, you know, was a transgender woman. Right. as an adult and and so you know I kind of thought oh I'm with it I get this you know this is awesome you know the, the decision in 1988 was good I was glad that it went the way that it did I didn't know any of the workings I mean I was in my 20s and not really connected with the church at that time but the news you know told us that this is what the United Church had done and then uh you know, so as our children were going up, um, we didn't make a big deal out of it, but we sometimes, instead of saying, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Or are you, you know, are you, you know, like conversations, we were careful to say once in a while, you know, when you bring a partner home, that sort of thing, just kind of leaving that door open. Mm -hmm. We thought we were really with it. <laughs> uh, but our youngest at 15 explained to us what non-binary meant and that the genders, is gender is actually a spectrum, like a, a rainbow spectrum, where um, you know there's male and female, but there's also a lot of in between. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I was kind of mad at myself because I thought 
I am open-minded. I should know this. Like I did not know anything about in between. You know, if you were not feeling male, you were probably female, but there's, there's this whole gender um, spectrum. And, and also, I mean, a lot of other words that I didn't know. Um, and so we're, yeah, that, that began an education process for us. And um, yeah, so I think sometimes you, you think like, you know, I have gay friends, I'm okay with gay people, but, but to understand that there are people out there who are not understood and not included and don't feel welcome and, and are harmed by churches and are harmed by churches, even the United Church, even though we say we're, you know, affirming and welcoming and um, in practical terms, is that really who we are and what kind of work do we have to do to get to that point where we are actually walking walking the talk because it's been 33 years since that decision was made um yeah so anyway that's just yeah so feeling comfortable in your own skin that's you know you have to be seen too like people have have to meet you where you are and so as our child oh go ahead go ahead well I was I was gonna ask um I want to ask you more about about your child and about um your experience in learning about gender but I just to pick up on that it sound am I right in hearing what you're saying as if you know for folks in the LGBTQ community if they don't feel seen and they don't feel like they can safely assume that all of them is welcome and if they if they don't necessarily feel feel celebrated let alone seen in their own skin is part of pride to then kind of bust the doors wide open and fully celebrate this thing that they're always kind of trying to protect and maybe hide in day-to-day living Yes, I, I think so. Um, I don't know if you know the artist Jeffrey Straker. He's a um, uh, piano um, singer, piano singer, folk root singer from Saskatchewan. No. And uh, last year he made an appearance at our virtual pride celebration here in Humboldt. And uh, before he sang the song that he sang, it was about, um, so, you know, someone had said, why are pride celebrations so loud? Like, why does it have to be so loud and colorful? <laughs> And and he had written this, yeah, he'd written this song for the, I think it was the Lethbridge Pride uh, celebration he'd been asked to write it. And so it was about the echo and it was about that this celebration that we have for one week or one month has to last the whole year. And so he, 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 he felt that that's part of it is that it has to be loud so that we remember the rest of the year that there are, you know, LGBTQ people out there who are yeah, they, they need our support and our love and our inclusion and to be valued. And, um, and I just thought that was fantastic, but that's a good way to describe it is that, yeah, sometimes you have to, well, if you're an actor, right, you have to overact, you have to overdo your makeup, right? And so that people can hear you and see you. And that's, I I just thought that was such a good explanation. That's great. What was his name? Jeffrey? Jeffrey Straker. Ah, okay. And the song, the song is called The Echo. So, so your, your youngest child came out to you as non-binary. Mm-hmm. And what has your journey been like in terms of your education and just wrapping your mind about, around 
what it means to be to be non-binary because we we're, we so grow up in this culture that is about like male and female and like there's the boy section and the girl section of the toy store or like you know washrooms pretty much every at the pool at the arena at the church you know men and women um you know we we start speeches with ladies and gentlemen you know like it's just so kind of ingrained that then to have people say, well, I don't fit either. Like our brains, our brains still want to be like, but, but which box, which box, you know? And, and so to be like, what do you mean there's a third, fourth? What do you mean that there's like not even boxes, you know? It, it's really, it's so new for us culturally that I think sometimes it can be frustrating and it feels like, well, just pick a lane, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but you've lived with it, you know, and you, your child whom you love, you know, is telling you, I don't fit here. And so what have you learned and what do you, what have you found helpful? Well, um, when they first came out, um, you know, it was, uh, we, our child tried to explain to us as much as they could. They also said, you know, it's important that you do some of the research yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That it's, it's a lot on me to educate you when I am just learning myself. I'm just discovering myself who I am. Um, and so thank goodness for Google. And, um, and to be honest, we felt quite alone just because we weren't sure who to ask. It was such a big conversation, right? It isn't just that my child's gay, my child's lesbian, it's my child is non-binary. So there's a whole conversation explaining it when you weren't even really sure what it meant. Um, so there was, you know, a couple of years of just trying to figure things out. Um, and our child came out to their friends at high school, but it wasn't out necessarily in society until they were 18 and, and left home. And yeah. So, um, and even there are some places now, even at 23, that they don't feel safe, you know, saying a lot about who they are. Mm -hmm. um, probably one of the biggest educational things was to accept the use of they, them pronouns. Right. Because, of course, as you said, our minds are programmed that there's male and female and there's he and she. And what do you mean using they and them for a singular person? Well, the more you look, and I mean, we said it and our friends have said it. And the more you look at it, like this is common. Like we say they so many times, like, oh, someone left their beach towel on the beach. I wonder if they will come get it. Right. right. I wonder if. They want a drink of water and if you get a letter from someone like Francis you say I wonder if that's a male or a female does it really matter no you know and uh and so uh, there's a lot of practicing that has to go on in your brain about um pronouns new names if someone wants to be called by a different name that is so important that's part of their identity they're feeling like the name that they were given doesn't represent who they are yeah. Maybe never did, but definitely doesn't now. Um, so that's just personal, interpersonal things. We also connected without Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. And they, so they're an organization in Saskatoon that supports the U2S community. Fantastic place. Great website. You know, we could look there and find out a lot of information that, you know, we could just look and, yeah. and find other resources, which was really good. Um, 
yeah so yeah the, the education portion of it and that goes for not even just parents but friends like their friends had you know had to learn too what this meant and aunts and uncles and extended family um yeah so it's it's a journey and it also one thing our child said to us they're the one who told us about the spectrum of 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 gender and uh and just um that they were on a journey as well that just because you realize i'm not female i'm not a girl you that doesn't mean you know the answers right away um yeah so so i think accepting that it's a journey is is and i don't know if that's the same for every 2slgbtq plus person but for for gender diverse non-conforming gender diverse people it is yeah and um yeah so and another thing is our child's an adult now um even when they were a child like it's their story their life and so people need to be careful sharing information um yeah with other people without consent right uh, so yeah, yeah so. Mm -hmm. I don't know I, I don't know if you want to talk about this part of it but um what about your story as as the mother who like you know you thought you had one child and then you know, that child told you, actually, I'm not that person you thought I was. Um, um, well, I, to be honest, uh, there were some tears that first time we had a really good discussion. And it wasn't that I didn't like it. It's that I was afraid for them, for oh. that life. Life is never easy, especially for a teenager. But but I, you know, you could foresee all of a sudden that there were going to be some some challenges ahead that maybe weren't there for for our other kids um and so that you know it was it was and, and a bit of grief too right because even though you don't think that you're you know you've got your child's life planned out there are things in your head that, and so i think that's pretty common talking to other parents is there's a bit of grief because you just have this and then all of a sudden you don't know what the future is going to be like right um, and so it's yeah but but really bottom line is our child is still our child they are still the same person they always yes. were they were right. raised in this family with these yeah. siblings and these relatives and friends and they are still our child um one of my other children when i was struggling a bit with name change and, and pronouns um her daughter said uh mom it's just a word those are just words you know, they are still the same person they always were. Those are just words. And and so to me, it's just a word. To my child, it's identity. It's accepting their identity and seeing them as they are. So to me, when I think of it that way, it's just like, oh, yeah. Like I can right. change that word to make them feel loved and accepted. And yeah. we still love them. We still, yeah, our history is still the same. Yeah. 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 And, and have you found that your other children have been helpful in, in walking this journey? Yeah. Yeah. Our, the, the young friends, the young cousins, the siblings were the trailblazers. They were just like, yeah, whatever. That's okay. Like call, you know, yes, we'll accept that name. We'll accept that this is your gender. And yeah, they were fantastic. Like uh, they were, 
it just seems so easy for them. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> but I, I mean, one of the things I was looking up this morning before I talked to you was that um, the percentage of the 2S LGBTQ uh, population officially apparently is around 4.5. But if you look at the, um, I mean, of course, there'll be lots of people who wouldn't identify, they wouldn't self-identify because they're afraid of repercussions at work or family. But they say that in the under 35 crowd, that percentage is much higher, like maybe as high as 15 or 25%. And I think it's just that under 35s are more willing to accept that this is a real a real thing that is thousands, like as long as there's been humanity, there have been to LGBTQ people. And, and, um, and so the rest of us just, I, you know, we've, yeah, we've been conditioned that right. there, it's a very binary world, male, female, yeah. cisgender. Yeah. 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 Cause there are other cultures that like, I, I mean, I don't know about like a, a spectrum of gender, but there are other cultures that have place for at least a third gender. And even in the Bible, actually, I remember that the word in Hebrew that is used for Joseph's garment, you know, of many colors, it's actually not coat. And it's a word that only appears, I think, in one other story. And it refers to the garment that a princess wears. So it's kind of Joseph and the coat and the princess dress of many colors, you know? So there's, there's more room even in our tradition than, than I think we are aware of. Which yeah, and probably you will speak to other people who have a lot more knowledge about the Bible and the Bible verses that are used as, you know, clobber verses and, and that, you know, many people in the Christian religion are afraid of. And in my limited knowledge, I've, you know, done a few workshops and, and things where translation is the problem, right? Um, yeah. Translations have turned, yeah, Leviticus into this hateful... <laughs> You know, uh, you know, there are places in that where you're just like, oh, but if you look at some of the translation things that were done, it's not at all what we think it is. And yes, and really, in the end, the the Bible, the teachings of Jesus are inclusion, love, respect for yeah. everyone. Yeah. And that that's the overlying tenet of the Bible is that we are called to love. And so and on that note, um is there how does your faith connect to celebrating pride well I think just like celebrating pride is celebrating all of us in our glory in our in in you know who we were born to be that that God created all of us and God loves each one of us and that we need to see people as they are right. and love and accept them as they are. And, and loving people that we don't understand is not always that easy, but we're still called to do it. Right. And, yeah. 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 And so celebrating pride, I mean, that comes with, I, I think, I think everybody should go. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> I like to go to a parade and especially to go to a pride service. That is that answers questions for you, right? It, it makes you think about, you know, how you grew up and the stories you heard and the, you know, the things that make you question, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. 
Like you, you find some of those answers at a diversity service. For people who want to know more, but don't know where to start, um, A, what's, where would you recommend as a good starting place, like for finding out information, but also B, if, if with your family and friends and your journey, if people came to you and wanted to ask you questions and wanted clarification or education or information, how would you want them to start that conversation? Hmm. Well, I think in a, to the first part of your question, that if it's people like United Church people or people who are, who are concerned about the faith-based, you know, theology of, of accepting um, and, you know, being an affirming place. There are a couple of organizations, Affirm United, which is a branch of the United Church of Canada, has a great website with so many resources on it. And it's also, you can look at the website, but if you follow them on, on Facebook, you actually get a lot of like videos and like short informational things that you don't have to read through pages and pages of a website. Like you just, you know, every couple of days they post something and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Or, you know, or they're celebrating affirming communities and affirming connections is a similar organization, but it's an Alberta funded like place and they do also amazing work. Amazing work. So those are a couple of places publicly where you can, you know, think about the face, the faith base based part of it um as far as family and friends um to be honest lots of people don't ask questions um yeah i i don't know if it's politeness or they don't know where to start um usually the the really in-depth conversations are like very quiet conversations in a car driving somewhere for a couple of hours or right. sitting around a fire or um you know people who deeply care for us and our family are the people who have asked uh, you know for a little more in-depth information I'm hoping that any you know otherwise people have searched for information you know, what does this mean and how yeah um and people are are truly trying to use the pronouns and the names and you know the new name and um in our family if someone want, do you have any tips or any guidance for someone who might know someone who is trans or gay and and wants to understand more about their experience but is nervous about asking in case they say the wrong thing or harm or you know put their foot in their mouth are there some principles to help them that you would share from your experience i don't know you probably would get a better answer from someone who is part of the queer community right, okay. uh, and people need to be really careful about confidentiality that right. you know just because you know through your child or your friend that someone else is part of the queer community right. you can't be sharing that information because they are maybe not out in every space they're maybe not out in work or they're maybe not out they're out with their immediate family but not with the aunts and uncles or they're out with a teacher but not with the principal and then you know, or maybe not with their parents, like that's, that's, you know, so you have to be so careful when, when someone trusts you with that information, yeah. that, that you are keeping that confidentiality and that secret trust. Yeah. yeah. And presumably that's not, that's not about secrecy. That's about safety. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's the thing is that it's been far too long that people had to be secret about who they are. So, so it's not that you don't want people to live their authentic life. It's that they need to be safe. They need to feel safe in those spaces. And yeah. And so creating safe spaces in, you know, in our church and in our community, it's a big job, it's a big job, but I mean, we have to start and we have to, yeah, where we should, I think we're yeah. called to become a safe place, a safe person. Right now. Okay. And so, so then that leads to my last question. What does it mean to you to you're in the affirming process right now. You've also been, presumably, you've probably been to a service at St. Martin's that, that flies the, you know, flies the, the, uh, the rainbow flag. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, what does it mean to you? What has it meant? What would it mean to be part of a church that, or just to see that flag flying from a church? When when I helped start this process at Westminster, I, I, I think probably people thought, oh, I'm doing this because I have a child who belongs to the queer community. But really, it's about other people. Our child felt, you know, really pretty safe at Westminster being who they were. Um, well, what I worry about is all the people in the community who don't have a safe place, don't have a safe place to worship, don't you know, they don't, they think their God is condemning them and for who they are. And so to me, it, it's, it's important to fly that rainbow flag and to say we're affirming, put it on our website to show that this is a place where you can come and ask questions and, and, and be loved and be respected and be a fully part of the congregation. So yeah, um, it feels great when you drive by United Church and you see a, a rainbow flag. Um, in this process that we've been in for 18 months, there's a lot of discussion between affirming con congregations and also um, affirming curious, <laughs> they call it, you know, people who are in the process, people who would like to, and people who are. And the ones who have been in it for sometimes 25 years, they say, but it isn't a one-time thing. You, you make that commitment and you have to keep living that commitment. You have to keep, because the people who were there 25 years ago who made the decision aren't maybe there. And the new people maybe don't know the work that you did with language and, you know, talking about the Bible verses that are troublesome and, um, you know, having visible signs in the church that people are welcome and yeah. And so um, it's, it's, it's a process. It's, it, it is being a Christian is a process. It's, it's, we have to constantly question, are we acting and loving the way that we're called? I think sometimes we fall into the trap of like with, with justice work generally, whether we're working with the LGBTQ community, whether we're working with racialized communities, whether we're working with, you know, neurodiverse populations, we, it's easy to think that we're the ones doing the good work. Like we're the ones helping them. But I've discovered that I think at the best of times, it's actually a two-way street that we are transformed in the process and we get something. And so I'm wondering what you find you have been given and you have gained from not only your journey with your family and your child, but this process of exploring affirming at, at uh, Westminster. 
I think you're you're exactly right that when we do good works, we actually learn so much and gain so much. My kids were part of the Team Mexico groups that went to uh, Quest Mexico. All three of them went, and and I and at the time when we were fundraising, people would say to us, um, "Well, you know what? What good is that? We raise all this money, we fly them to you know." Mexico and they have a two week holiday, which it wasn't at all because they worked very hard doing construction when they were down there. But, but, you know, how, how, like, you know, there was some, there was some talk about all this money that was being put towards these kids going, but, but we found out as they came back and made their presentations to the community, sometimes 10 or 15 times they were presenting to different churches and organizations that, you know, we as the family learned, we as the church learned, we were so exposed to um, how they were changed by their experience and how privileged we are. And so in some ways, I think the LGBTQ and the anti-racism, like we, we find out what diversity there is in our world and what joy there is in celebrating that diversity. Um, like, I don't know, I think there's like 10,000 different kinds of butterflies or something, you know, like, well, like, why is, why is one not good enough? You know, like, what do we need all these butterflies for? Well, because God, you know, diversity, loves diversity, loves beauty, loves. And, and so I think, yeah, I think as we move through, and I personally have through these, you know, the last 18 months, and especially online the last year, meeting people and seeing them and talking with them, being who they are and hearing their passion um, about this work is, yeah, it's pretty transforming. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you wanna say about like the affirming process, the journey, pride? What, what I think the final goal is that we can say to all people um, and especially in the affirming process that you know we see you, we love you and you are welcome here. That's the goal.